surfing brought joy back into my life and I just kind of sobbed as I paddled out into the lineup and a Brahmini kite was flying overhead and I just sobbed at the gift of choosing joy again in my life and and the ocean brought it back in for me which is what it did when I learned how to surf at 46 as well there was this experience of choosing joy and choosing the wild inside that surfing brings because you are immersed in the ocean and there's big energy out there sometimes and you get to align yourself to big energy and as your skills in surfing grow there's a kind of an alchemy that happens where instead of being wiped out by big energy you get to hitch a ride on it Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, a very beautiful, special soul. You are in for a treat because we have the amazing Dr. Alice McKinnon, who is a mindfulness martial artist. Her work focuses on presenting and practicing dynamic, hands-on and embodied practices that take mindfulness from a worthy idea into the rough and tumble of daily life. Now, this is at work, in the community, in the home and within your family. Alice is a longtime practitioner of meditation, yoga, qigong, surfing, and fitness. These are the foundations of mindfulness as a martial art in her own life. For over 24 years, Alice was also a professional and community environmental sustainability educator, consultant, and communicator. She earned her PhD in adult learning at the University of Technology in Sydney. This focused on transformative education and multi-party stakeholder negotiation and their potential to create systemic change. The insights she gained from that sustained research continues to inform her in her work today. It was at 50 that she stepped aside from this field, and she now, in her 60s, collaborates with her beautiful wife, Jennifer Jeffries, an internationally renowned speaker and naturopath, where they host the Smart Sassy Seniors podcast and live events. These are gathering enthusiastic audiences in Australia and around the world. This beautiful soul has published three books, and as you'll hear, about to have her fourth. And this beautiful soul will actually open your heart, mind, body, and soul into why she does the work she does today. You are in for an incredible ride. I cannot wait to share this beautiful soul with you. And I know that you are going to want to take some notes with a lot of the beautiful quotes, tips, and advice she gives to lead a life of mindfulness. I thank you wholeheartedly for being on the ride at the self-love podcast you know you can always reach out to me on my instagram page kim morrison 28 or my facebook page kim morrison training and of course you can go to the wellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast thank you for subscribing to this beautiful show thank you for your five-star rating and thank you to 28 essentials the sponsor of this show I cannot wait to share this week's podcast with you. If you'd like to leave any comments or feedback, go to all the socials and I will look forward to seeing your comments there. In the meantime, get ready for an amazing show. Take care. Be kind. 
Well, many of you know, especially if you've been following me for some time now, that one of my favorite things to do each week is I get the absolute privilege and honor to interview exquisite souls, people who I look up to and admire, people who I've fallen in love with, and people who really are a beacon of light for so many of us. And this week, I am delighted to welcome to the show the beautiful Alice McKinnon. Welcome, gorgeous girl. Uh, thank you so much, Kim. It's such a it's such an astonishing privilege and honor to be here with you on your podcast. Well, my darling, the the feeling is mutual. And I'm just sitting here looking at our screen with your name, Sally McKinnon, not Alice <laughs> McKinnon on the screen. But before we go into any of that, it would be really awesome for the people that haven't heard about you or what you're about. Maybe you could weave that into and just take us on a little journey of who you are and how you came to being where you're at right here, right now. Yeah. Thanks, Kim. Well, yes, my name now is Alice McKinnon. I'm a doctor. <clears throat> I have a doctor in a doctorate in, in um, adult learning, which I did um, quite a long time ago. I have a brain that loves to study and explore and create. Um, I, at the moment, I'm I'm recreating myself and my business, and I'm embracing um, being a business person. Probably for the first time in my life, I've, I've run my own business for a long time, but to really, I'm really embracing my capacity to run a, a successful business that combines service with excellence and particularly around mindfulness as a martial art, so mindfulness as a verb, a doing, a practice to help people um, bring steadiness and calmness and peace to their minds and to their lives that's that's a really big part of my life at the moment and will be for you know for the foreseeable future I'm married to Jen <laughs> to Jennifer Jeffries the amazing naturopath and present day wise woman and Kim you married us in August last year um, in a celebration of the most extraordinary energetic, exuberant love. Uh, and so Jen and I live on the Southern Gold Coast. We're both avid surfers. And I have a son, Hewan, who is married to Sammy, and I am grandmother, Moo to little Ellie Rose. I have a really full, rich, meaningful life that I guess I show up to every day and consciously weave more threads into it or weave threads from the past into, you know, dreams for the future. It's a, um, it feels like my life these days is, um, is living, weaving and creativity. <laughs> How's that? Oh, powerful <laughs> words living, weaving, and creativity. Could you imagine if we all lived in that space, what a world it would be? One of the words in particular, weaving, it's a, it's a fascinating word because it's not making the past wrong or our thoughts and beliefs for the future wrong. It's actually about applying, and I would imagine from your perspective, bringing this all in this gorgeous tapestry of what we call life. Could you explain to us a little bit more about what you mean around living, weaving, and creativity? 
Yes, okay. I I I teach Qigong and at the end of class, in fact, I teach yoga as well, and at the end of our classes, I always invite people to take their left hand, which has all the wisdom from their experience, and bring it together with their right hand, which has all their hopes and dreams for the future. And I get them to bring their palms together and to feel their fingers meet and their thumbs meet, to feel their palms meet, to feel skin on skin there and experience meeting dreams. Um, And I'm doing this as we're talking. And then to bring their thumbs to their heart centre, right in the middle of their chest, in the only place that we can ever be, which is this present moment. And I guess that's the most embodied way and maybe the the clearest way that I can explain or answer your question, Kim, you know, about bringing the experience from the past together, the wisdom from the past together with the hopes and dreams of the future. And in this present moment, as we live and breathe now, as we feel our feet on the floor, on the earth, as we feel the, the breath pass across our nostrils and into our bellies as we inhale and as we exhale and let go and soften, you know, there is the creativity. There is the inspiration of the in-breath and, and the wisdom from the past experience and there is there is the dreaming of our future there is this place where we stand you know on this ancient country whichever country you're in whichever continent you live in there is it's ancient and yet here we are in this present moment bringing everything together and we can do that with our hands in prayer position um that's and and we can step into each day in that space of oh i'm here i'm taking this breath in this moment what a gift i have the gifts from the past i have the 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 upcoming gifts of the future i have gratitude to be here right now i can step into my life and show up right now with open heartedness with wholeheartedness with curiosity and with eyes that see beauty. That felt like a big ramble. <laughs> oh, I think I've been following you with my hands. And I'm sure every listener is doing the same thing and even just following your voice. I imagine for you to get to this place of presence and calm that the beautiful Alice has also experienced the complete opposite perhaps in order to really truly embrace and honour what it means. We know we need to experience or as humans we experience the dichotomies, the extremes. So what led you, what's been some of your wake-up calls or perhaps moments of truth where you've really opened your heart, mind, body and soul to you? Mm. Oh, Kim, yes, you know, um, I'm just finishing off a book. I'm just finishing off my fourth book, which is called Surfacing, Choosing Resilience, Recovery and Love. And it's a series of stories from the vicinity of the last three years. Some, Some I wrote, 
earlier um, at stories and poems. But this past three years or so, three and a half years, has been um, a time of reckoning for me. And <clears throat> so there are so many layers to it, but it all kind of began on the 6th and 7th of September 2019 when um, I lived up at Beachmont right up near Binnabarra Lodge and the most intense wildfire, bushfire, came through there in early spring and it took us all out. It took out our, the neighbourhoods where I lived. It took out my family property. It, it destroyed my brother's home. Um, it, Ten... 11 homes were destroyed in two little neighbourhoods up there as well as Binnabarra Lodge, as well as a great swathe of Lamington National Park. Uh, and that triggered or catalyzed. it was like watching or experiencing a series of dominoes just falling one by one by one through my life. It, it literally took my whole life down. Um, and I've had the opportunity over the last three and a half years to do some intense therapy, therapeutic work with a wonderful trauma therapist. Um, and in all of that, just to kind of survey my life, I went back and I went back to my childhood with the help of that therapist, Mon, and was able to review, you know, quite a chaotic childhood with a dad who had severe schizophrenia um, where there was violence and chaos uh, and where my mum took my brother and I away. I was seven and my brother Cal was two, so kind of we ran for our lives. And so I had an opportunity in these last three and a half years to go back and um review that and work through a lot of things that had just been lying dormant in my body, I think, in my nervous system and with a really great therapist and it's called Radical Exposure Therapy, RET, work through a lot of that stuff as well as the thing that triggered everything, the, the trauma that came out of the bushfire up at Beachmont as well. Um, and out of that, out of that process, you know, our family property, which my brother and I and my mum owned, you know, we, my brother and I lost that to my mum, who has pretty bad mental illness now. You know that. So I lost my home. I lost my property. The family and family property went. Um, you know, a whole lot of things happened, and and also within all of that, I chose love. I chose love for myself. I chose, I chose to rise up. I, I chose Jen. I reached out to my now wife Jen, who I'd been acquainted with for five years through surfing. I reached out to her and I asked her out on a date, <laughs> and that led to an engagement and marriage. Um, I chose myself, you know, I'd always been out of that chaotic childhood, I'd always been the good girl who tried not to be seen or cause a ruckus or cause any sort of um, upheaval because I guess things were just so crazy anyway. Um, yeah, so I chose myself these past three years as well and I've moved to the Gold Coast. I, I chose a new name. 
I I let my old name Sally and go with such gratitude. My God, what what an incredible woman she is, and took me through in incredible times. And I chose a name that I'd always wanted to have, which was Alice. And I've embraced Alice Iona as a second name, as an ancestral name. And, you know, out of all of that chaos in, in the book that I, I goes off to the editor today, um, just after we finished speaking, Kim, I'll send it off to the editor. Uh, there's a story in there, just a little short one about my last therapy session. And my therapist, Mon, said to me that the reason I was able to feel such deep calm at the end of that therapeutic process and the the reason that I'm able to take people into a place of deep calm through my retreats and my classes and my work is because I have experienced the exact opposite, you know, extraordinary chaos and confusion and the two, as you said, when you asked your question, the two work hand in hand. If I hadn't experienced such, you know, mind-blowing chaos as a child and as an adult, um, then I wouldn't be able to experience such deep peace now. Isn't that beautiful? Mm. That life shows us us. And uh, I love the statement, life is happening for you, not to you. And it's very hard to feel that truth or that um, place of peace when we're in the throes of any challenge that we're in. I find it interesting that fire, you know, they talk about rising, the phoenix rising and fire creates the ashes and we can start life again. And and according to different philosophies, you know, fire is often seen as a symbol of divinity. And mm-hmm. here you are talking about your new divine self. Many see, see fire as a symbol of wisdom and knowledge. You've got to know yourself and truly connect to you. And isn't it interesting that your love of surfing is one of the most purest ways, perhaps, where we can really find ourselves because you're out there in nature, fully immersed in it. Could you explain to us a little bit about how surfing has played such a big part in your world and even led you to the beautiful Jen, perhaps in one way? But (laughs) what does surfing and the element of fire, is there a connection between the water and the fire for you? Is there anything you've noticed for yourself from a spiritual realm? Uh, look, I would have to say that still, you know, three and a half years on from the bushfire that then led into the whole summer of of catastrophic fires where so much of the east coast of this country burnt. You know, I I, I have to admit I still feel triggered by fire. Um, so that... You know, I'm aware of that. I, I'm very happy sitting around a little campfire <laughs> or a um, or a fireplace. I really like that fire pit. Um, big fires, wow! You know, they they burn up. They really do. I'm not surprised that there is a connection to divinity or something extraordinary 
through fire because they eat everything in their wake. Um, they, they leave ashes and out of the ashes rise tiny little grasslings and shoots. I remember when the bushfire came through up at Beachmont, I, I have a friend who actually lost his memory as an adult and I talked to him in the weeks after the fire and I just said, at that time I was just wanting my old life back. I was just desperate for my old life and I asked my friend if he ever yearned or mourned for his old life and wanted it back. And he just said, no, you know, where I am is where I am. And if you look at the forest, the forest doesn't want its old self back. The forest just wants to keep growing. And, you know, that, that, really, uh, that really made me stop in my tracks and think the forest just wants to keep growing. And we all have this incredible survival instinct and this incredible capacity to create ourselves again and to rise up out of the ashes like the phoenix we can draw our inspiration for that from nature all the time um and i guess you know going going into what you asked about surfing as well um in the in the aftermath of the fire i just i for a couple of weeks, I, I, w- I had evacuated to a, friend, a friend's place at Palm Beach, so I was walking the beach every day, but I couldn't go near the water. It just felt too cold, too wet, too this, too big, too that, too everything, you know, and, and I realise now that I was in shock and trauma um, and and just so incredibly vulnerable at that time. But <clears throat> about three weeks after the fire, some friends and I went down to um, Angari. We'd rented a beach house many months earlier and that was our time to go for a surf trip. And I remember gathering up my courage. I hadn't been surfing since the bushfire. A group of us were going down to the beach. I had my favourite board with me and I was with my buddy Pete and everybody else went off to the point and Pete and I went to the back beach. And I remember standing on the beach with all this beautiful bushland behind me and Angari had been burnt out as well, in, you know, at a similar time to us. Um, so a lot of their bushland was burnt. I remember standing on the beach with the bushland behind me looking out to the ocean. It was a beautiful day for, for a surf. I stretched, I took some deep breaths and as I slid onto my board and we glided out into the water to start our paddle out to the lineup and the waves, I just felt this huge wave of joyfulness wash over me. And at that moment it was... Ah, oh, Kim, you know, it was this it was this moment where I went, I am allowed to feel happy again. I am allowed to feel joy again. Yes, there is devastation everywhere right now. And it is okay. In fact, it is very proper that that I can feel joy again. And so surfing brought joy back into my life. And I just kind of sobbed 
as I paddled out into the lineup and a Brahmini kite was flying overhead and I just sobbed at the gift of choosing joy again in my life and, and the ocean brought it back in for me, which is what it did when I learnt how to surf at 46 as well. There was this experience of choosing joy and choosing the wild inside that surfing brings because you are immersed in the ocean and there's big energy out there sometimes and you get to align yourself to big energy and as your skills in surfing grow, there's a kind of an alchemy that happens where instead of being wiped out by big energy, you get to hitch a ride on it and race across a big wave you know, with your hair on fire (laughs) and your arms open to the sky and your spirit soaring, you know, that you get to experience big joy with big energy. I I have a, I'm not sure if I could ever surf. I'm sure I could if I learned and I'm sure it could be something to embrace, especially under someone's care and guidance like yours. But hearing you express it and hearing your joy in the way you describe it, even for those of us that don't surf, I almost get an element of what that experience would be. So I, I want to thank you for that. And I think what's what's really interesting here is the the extreme of the fire and the extreme of the water and somehow both have given you a chance to rebirth and reclaim yourself. Where did you then decide or how did you decide to um, go from a heterosexual relationship, um, being married or whatever that journey was for you, and then somehow this exquisite soul, the beautiful Jennifer Jeffries, appears (laughs) in the world? How did that come across and how did you take your way through that process? (laughs) That's a great question, Kim. And I think, you know, I tell this story with enormous respect and love for Jen and for the person before Jen who helped me realise that there was more to life for me than heterosexuality. So, yes, I'd been married. I was married a long time ago. I married David and we had a son, Hewan, Hewan Mandela. McKinnon Farnworth, who is a gorgeous soul, who you met at the wedding. He's a dad now. And um, so I married David a long time ago and we had 10 years together and then it really came apart at the seams. And then I had other love affairs. after. I'd had love affairs before that and I'd had love affairs after that. And I just never felt like I really understood the rules of engagement in heterosexual relationships, but I thought it was just me. I thought I was just fucked up, you know. I just, (laughs) I thought something was really wrong with me. And so um, I, I I just tried and tried and tried, kept waiting for Mr Wright to come along and, you know, things just weren't working. And then... During COVID lockdown, just after the first big lockdown, I met through my brother and his then wife, um, a transsexual man, trans man, and we we 
just jumped in boots and all into a wonderful relationship and I just knew that, you know, everything then fell into place and I just went, oh, wow, you know, this is this package, this relationship, this connection has the emotional connection that I've always looked for. It has the physical connection, the sexual connection, the meeting of minds, the meeting of creativity. It kind of had everything. And I just thought when that when that all happened, I just went, oh, I'm never going back. I'm never going back to the to the straight world. You know, there is no place for me there. Um, And that relationship with the trans man was really intense. We it went on for about nine months, and then we just couldn't hold it together. And you know, I was dealing with the aftermath of the fire and some of those other tumbling dominoes in my life, and we just couldn't hold the intensity of it. And so we stepped away from each other. But I knew that I wanted to find lasting love. <clears throat> and I talked at our wedding, Kim, and you'll re- probably remember it from our notes, that I'd seen that amazing film Supernova, which was about a gay relationship between two men. And um, I just loved that film so much that I knew I wanted that. For the first time in my life, I was very clear, I want lasting love. And I did a few sessions with a relationship therapist who who did um, relationship readiness? I just went okay. I'm going to I'm going to get some work done with a great therapist. Make sure that I'm up for this and that I have the skills. You know, skills are part of it. I have the skills to do this, and I did. And when that finished, I'd been online a little bit. I'd tried a little bit of online dating in the queer world, and just to try and suss out how, you know, it was such a new world for me, just to try and understand how that world worked. And then, uh, you know, I've been friends with Jen for years on Facebook and followed her and always loved her posts and her rainbow-coloured world, her boldness and bigness and authenticity and I just reached, I just knew I wanted to reach out to her. I'd been intimidated. I'd felt intimidated by her when we'd first connected on Facebook. And we passed each other quite a lot at the beach, just said hello in passing, that kind of stuff. And she has that amazing purple Jeep that everybody knows. <laughs> and And I'd finished the relationship readiness therapy and I just thought she's never going to know that I've crossed over. She thinks I'm a great ally for the queer world and I am and I was and now I was, I wanted to be part of that community and I wanted to find lasting love. So I just thought she's never going to know that I've jumped the fence so I'm going to have to take action. And that was, I reached out to her and I sent her a message and I asked her out on a date, a surfing date. And, yeah, that's how it happened. She responded straight away. I didn't know if she was in a relationship or if she was dating or if she was single or if her life was complicated or complex. I knew nothing. 
I just thought, I'm just got to take a punt on this. And I did. Yeah, so that, and we had a lovely date. We had a really nice date. We went surfing and we chatted for hours, had brekkie together and a cuppa. And then we just, we just started to see each other really gently. And Jen realised she needed to do some work on her own heart. She was really worried that if it didn't work out, she was worried about hurting me. And that was blocking her. So she did um, a little bit of what's called Psych K with a friend of ours. And that was about opening her heart. And so she she was able to work with her subconscious about an open heart. And we just kind of went from there. And two months in at, at, at her housewarming party at her new home, I was there being the nice girlfriend standing beside her as she was making a speech to everybody, thanking them for coming and thanking her community of friends. And next thing I know, she's turning around to me and she's proposing marriage. <laughs> and, and I, um, my mind was reeling, but my gut just went, yes. And so that's, yeah. And then that was in December of last year, uh, December of 2020. One and in August of 2022, you married us, Kim. And it was one of my greatest joys because I've <laughs> known Jen for a very long time. Obviously, we both have been in the aromatherapy world for, for over three decades. I've woven in and out of her life over many years, and we both feel like we've been on this very big journey in aromatherapy and watched it evolve and grow. And our passion for plants has never ceased. And I ran into her at the aromatherapy conference uh, before COVID. And I'll never forget her kicking me up the butt and saying, listen, you, it's time you got yourself seen out here in this world. So stop hiding. And, and basically gave me a very strong, gentle kick up the butt. And it was from that moment I realized our lives had reconnected. And I remember very clearly asking her, where is she at in her love life? And she said, I was still waiting for the right one. And when I heard about the beautiful Alice, I remember asking her, oh my gosh, talk, talk to me. And when I asked you both how you met, it's fascinating that you say you were very intimidated by her, but her words, if I remember rightly, was that she had seen you surfing and running classes and had obviously passed you in and out of the water for five years. But she was totally intimidated because you were such an ace surfing teacher and she was such a beginner. She actually sent you a friend, if I, if I remember rightly, a friend request <laughs> five years before you finally officially got to meet her. So isn't it interesting that life, you know, people say it's kind of random, but I have a belief there's nothing random about it. It's just incredible if we just allow ourselves. The things that I really picked up from you and Jen as well, but even today I'm sure the listener is noticing you come back a lot about therapy and being curious and being open to learning. We all think we're doing this thing called life, but if we didn't have great guidance growing up, and again, that's not about blaming our parents, it is what it is. But if we don't know there's a possibility of new perspective, new learnings, new understandings, how on earth can we do that on our own? How on earth did we come into the world thinking, hey, God, I've got this, I'm all good now? 
when in fact being curious about getting to know yourself is actually investing time, money, energy into therapy. Can you tell us then what is your greatest um, insight into the importance of working on oneself or gaining therapy or looking in all directions to find what works for you? What would be your advice to someone who's not really sure about the next step, but they know there's more? Mm, Wow, what a good question, Kim. Um, I know that through my life, you know, I would have been about 16 or 17 and I came across Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work about death and dying and I think I've always been, I've always wanted, I've always dived deep. I've always, I mean, you know, what 17-year-old goes, oh, look, how very interesting, a whole series of books on death and dying. <laughs> I think I'll read them. <laughs> but... um. I think in terms of our personal growth, maybe the biggest learning, maybe the biggest thing would be simply to notice. So I'm only, you know, the last year has really helped me with this um, in terms of I've done a lot of reading Oh, in lots of different areas. But the one thing that keeps bubbling up into the to the top is notice. First, notice. Notice what signs you're getting from your body, for example. Is your heart racing? Is your breath shallow? Um, have you got butterflies in your tummy? Notice the physical signs that tell you that something's going on. So first, notice. Um, and Or notice when you feel resistance or tension emotionally or mentally, where it's like, I don't like that, (laughs) or I don't like the way that person's talking to me or the way that person's behaving, you know, just notice without judgment. Oh, look at that, How, how interesting that's propped up. And once you notice, you have opportunities then with curiosity and without judgment, to just kind of follow those lines, those those clues. Why do I feel? Why do? Why does that person? Why? Why is it where every time I encounter that person, I feel cranky or I feel resistance or I want to run away or what is it? What's going on there? And you get to peel back. You you can just simply ask yourself questions start to peel back layers and if we're able to do it with great kindness to ourselves that's where curiosity is such an expansive process because when we're curious we get to suspend all our judgments and all our opinions just go oh I wonder what will happen if or I wonder what that means when and so you just get to start to peel back the layers and um, I know, Kim, that you are a great student of Thich Nhat Hanh, the Zen monk and teacher, as I am as well. And he speaks of being open and curious and loving to whatever arises within ourselves emotionally. So if we feel, if we experience a feeling of grief, or of anger or of frustration or whatever it is, 
instead of pushing it away and resisting it and saying, oh, I'm not supposed to feel like that right now, that's, I don't like that feeling, uh, that's not right, he says just welcome it in and say, oh, anger, I see you, I notice you, come in, let me hold you, come and, come and sit beside me, have a cup of tea, tell me what it is that you would like to say to me. What is it that I need to know? So there is that whole Buddhist philosophy process of being or contemplative traditions that allow us to find personal insight by gently asking ourselves questions and peeling back layers curiously, almost fearlessly. And sometimes we also need other help, you know, therapeutic help from a real live person that we can sit with in a quiet space and I have done quite a lot of therapy now through my life um, and I have found some wonderful wonderful therapists one in particular um, Mon who was the uh, radical exposure therapy therapist who specializes in post-traumatic stress uh, and they can absolutely help you, guide you, transform, help you to transform your behaviour patterns, your thinking patterns, your emotional, mental patterns that you don't even really notice. Um, but there they are, you know, sitting kindly opposite you for an hour every week or every month or however often you want to see them to ask you questions and to hold your hand metaphorically and guide you through some of the darkest times and help you through the other side so that you can say, I don't, I, I recognise that pattern now. I notice that pattern. That pattern does not serve me well anymore. So I am going to change the way that I approach different things so that and and choose another pattern and practice another pattern of behavior and thinking and we now know Kim so well that we know about neuroplasticity and I do believe that neuroplasticity is one of the greatest discoveries of our lifetime the fact that our brain is not fully formed and developed in our 20s that our brain can change at any age and that the way that we think and the way that we behave will impact the structure of our brain. It's just, it's mind-blowing. And so with the help of good therapists or with the help of good guides, whoever you choose them to be, we can change those patterns and we can change the physical structure of our brain and we can learn to live differently. It's incredible when you think about the power and capacity of the brain. I too am fascinated by the neuroplasticity and the way the neurons wire and fire together. Mm -hmm. I'm curious and I'm not a scientist, but I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts then. If the way we think can affect the way we feel, which can affect our mm. behaviours and our physiology, mm. and if we can change the structure of the brain, what do you think then is the potential 
of humans who can actually walk the earth without judgment, which Mm. is a big one, with Mm. constant awareness and curiosity. What do you see then as the potential of humans if we could live in that space? Oh, my goodness, Kim. You know, it is unlimited. It is unlimited, our potential to live in peace, to live as peace, to live with peace. And I know um, I came across a great organisation last year called the Mind and Life Institute, Uh, and it works very closely with some of the leading neuroscientists, people like Richie Davidson, um, who is one of the world's leading neuroscientists. He's also works very deeply in the in contemplative traditions. So you know he's he's the one who invented the um, technology to be able to scan the you know monks brains as they were meditating (laughs) he's the one Richie Davidson he's this incredible man um in the the scientist in the United States and they also work the Mind and Life Institute and Richie Davidson and his colleagues people like Dan Goldman Goldman who uh created that body of work around emotional intelligence and there's a whole raft of wonderful scientists they work closely with the Dalai Lama And the Dalai Lama is asking them continually to scale up what we do in this space. So we have now irrefutable evidence about the way the brain and the mind work and the body, the power of meditation, the power of mindfulness practices, Um, the power of sitting still and breathing deeply in and out for a few minutes every day, we have the evidence that this changes our brains. This changes the way our minds work. This changes the way that we show up in the world, our capacity to live peacefully and without judgment. Um, All of these things, it's it's absolutely astounding. Astounding. And I do believe that we are at such a crossroads as a civilization. You know, we've got people like Marianne Williamson talking about the fact that we are straddling a time of immense change, a change of epochs. So the old epoch of war, of separation, of male dominance, of power over, of destruction, of raping and pillaging the earth, that epoch is in its death throes, but it's their mighty death throes. <laughs> Where all, we also have a foot in an emerging epoch of connection of consciousness she calls it of conscious an era of consciousness connection and that we need to show up we are the midwives of a new epoch and the practices that we engage in every day will determine our capacity to to see in this new epoch and to 
I guess, to let go of and to bury, you know, that to, to, to the old epoch of separation and death and war and those sorts of things. Here we are. Our, the generations alive now. We are the ones straddling these, this time. And so we have this honour, this privilege, this opportunity, this, this responsibility to embrace this time and decide what we're going to do with our lives in this time. And we have the means to make a difference. Mm. And you are certainly doing that, my darling girl, alongside your retreats and your podcast and all the things that you're offering and what you and Jen are doing together and creating, the way you live your lives and the way you do truly walk and speak your truth is magnificent. I just want to go back one step for the person mm. listening to this because it it truly does make sense and it seems so real and simple in the way that you talk about this. But for someone who's new to this understanding but kind of hooking into and wanting to be a part of this epoch, this energy, when you're in the throes of emotional disparity or challenge or hurt or anger or any of those, it's very hard when our emotions are high to actually tap into a beautiful intelligence. <laughs> and so I want to ask you, just as a gift to the listener, yeah. if we are feeling really emotionally charged, triggered, activated, challenged, whatever the word is, but mm. we really want to be in this beautiful space that you so eloquently talk about. Is there a tool or a technique? Is there something we can do to bring us into that space before, like a gap, but, you know, a, a synoptic gap? Where do we go from one space or energy to the next? What's the bridge what would you recommend? Oh, I have such a great bridge. <laughs> I use it all the time. The breath. The breath is the bridge. Deep, slow, in through the nose, down into the belly, deep breath, just over and over and over again, especially when you're feeling dysregulated, upset, triggered, charged, all of those things. Stop, feel your feet on the earth, wiggle your fingers and toes and take 10 deep, slow breaths. In through the nose, let them out through the mouth and just feel yourself come back to center it costs nothing <laughs> we are doing it 24 7 anyway we're just not aware of it most of the time you know we can do it the middle of the night you wake up and you feel anxious and you you know you can't get back to sleep and your mind is racing take those deep breaths you're in the middle of a shopping center there's an emergency something happens whatever take those deep breaths just come back to the breath it is our greatest ally. And I want to add one extra step to that. If you mm -hmm. have it with you, an essential oil to embrace oh, yes. the aroma as we do that has mm. the ability to change the wiring in our brain within a few microseconds. 
And even if you don't have an oil on hand to visualize the smell of a rose or a lavender or a jasmine flower, or imagine smelling the sweet scent of lemon as you cut into it, if you can add that to the dynamic of those long, slow, deep breaths, mm-hmm. I can almost assure you there's an even deeper and quicker, more profound way of getting to that place of self coming home to you. As you and I both know with the love of our gen, um, we know that the power of smell has a very <laughs> profound effect on our emotions via the amygdala, the hypothalamus, and how we actually use that olfactory system. So mm-hmm. I want to thank you for that because for many people, we think we have to do so much. And yet that breath, the power of our breath and conscious awareness of ourselves breathing is perhaps the greatest, most beautiful, loving gift we can give to oneself. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that reminder. And I think with you talking about bringing you back to self, bringing you back to the core of you in that moment of practice, I would love to ask you then, what is your definition of self-love? Kim, thank you so much for um, connecting scent with the breath. I'm I'm going to do that. That if here I am living in <laughs> living with Jen and uh an aromatherapist, one of the leading lights, as you are, and you've reminded me to connect my awareness with that scent of a rose or lavender or my favorite flower. Thank you for that. Um my definition of self-love I'll just take a deep breath. <laughs> I I think it might I've been, you know, thinking about this over the last 24 hours. My definition of self-love would be perhaps to back yourself, to go, I, I'm here. I am here. And I have work to do. I have a purpose in being here. I will do this. I will show up to this. I will find what my purpose is. I will will do this with curiosity and humility and belief that I am here for a reason. Um, and whatever I need to do, whatever paths, whatever guides, whatever practices I need to find to help me to do that. Um, I will do. I think maybe that is my definition of self-love, believing that that you are here for a purpose and and finding the means to live into that purpose. So beautiful, isn't it? When you <laughs> actually tap into the meaning of self-love, every single guest I have has a different view or perspective or way that they word it. And every single one of them is just magical. And this in particular is, you know, the first time I've really heard someone talk about the connection of self-love to our purpose, because so many people don't know what their purpose is or say they don't know what that purpose Mm -hmm. is. If you met somebody who perhaps didn't know what their purpose is, what would you suggest first? to fall in love with themselves and to work on loving themselves and then allow the purpose to evolve and find you? Or would you focus on service and looking for that purpose, which leads you back to you? Where would you go with that one? Oh, wow. Look, <laughs> I, I'd maybe, 
I'd maybe ask that person what brings them joy. What what brings them joy? What what lifts their spirits and their heart? And that that may have the doorways and the windows and the clues that will help them to find their purpose, you know, because it's the things that bring us joy. Uh, yeah, what a gift to be able to feel joy. Oh, my goodness, um, what a gift. And so that I think that's where I would suggest they start, to follow the path of joy. Open the little gate <laughs> that's already there because they're we all feel something. Something makes us feel a little bit of joy, even in the hardest of lives or times. There are there are little sparkles there. That go, oh, there's a little. There's a little. We just have to. We just have to put our glasses on again to see the joy or to feel the joy. And go. Oh, oh, I just felt that little sparkle of joy. What what brought that again? Ah, oh, there it is. Okay, I'm going to walk through that gate and I'm going to look around with awareness and awakeness and I'm going to follow those those clues in that little path of joy. I think that's what I do, Kim. I love it. I love it. And remembering that life is full of highs and lows and mm. that it's not just one static um, continuum. It actually does require us to traverse and travel through each of those energies and spaces. But I loved what you said at the beginning and actually welcoming them in. And I really loved your idea of almost having a conversation with oneself, you know, welcome. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome in. Is that something you'd recommend that conversing oh, with totally. oneself? <laughs> I absolutely, absolutely. And yeah. And then you get, I mean, a sense of humor. We all have a sense of humor. And that's a great human capacity, isn't it? Um, mm. our, our ability to laugh at ourselves too. And so as we have these conversations with ourselves and we can just laugh at ourselves too and just go, wow, that that's a really that's a that's a quirky thing that I've got going on there. Wow, I wonder where that came from. <laughs> and, and just when we when we're able to suspend all our judgments of what should be right and wrong and all of those things that we often carry so heavily from our childhoods, um, and just go okay, I'm just going to be curious about what's going on inside um, and sit in the rafters almost. You know, we have this other capacities. We have so many. <laughs> As human beings, we have so many amazing superpowers. But we get the observer, the witness in ourselves. You know, the, it's a little bit like being able to be the producer of our play, of a play, the play of our life. And so we get to sit in the audience as the producer and look at look at our life playing out on stage. Um, and there's the observer watching and going, mm, okay, well, look at that. That's interesting. I think I'd like to change that. Or that's working really well. That interaction is working really well. I really want to strengthen that. That that capacity to create distance, a space between the observer and the actual doing of inside and those conversations going on inside it's quite a superpower that we all have sure is 
Let's just, I know we could talk all day and you know how much I adore you two beautiful souls. I would love for you just to, how would you describe that wedding day that you both shared? Wow. Oh, Kim. Yeah, Jen and I talked about it quite a bit in the days afterwards and um, in the week after the wedding, I had, I have a wonderful chiropractor and I had a session with her because she does, you know, kind of cranial sacral work as well and all these beautiful techniques. And I would just, and so I I got to kind of articulate <laughs> all because I couldn't for days. Jen and I were walking around going, what, 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 what was that? That was, and there were tears and I just felt, we both felt so moved. So my description ended up being, and it still is, deeply within me, it was like the grace of God moving through us all there. It was, and and for me, gosh, it asked me to just open up and not resist the fact that there could be this abundance, this eternity, this infinity (laughs) of love there was just so much love and I had to in the days following go, okay, I am big enough, you know, I'm expansive enough. My system can hold this love. There is this enormous, it was the grace of God. To actually experience that day with you both and to feel that pure grace of God and that abundance of love, for me, it was also magnified a little bit just with my connection, not only with you and you two together, but having seen Jen be an advocate for same-sex marriage and any choice and all of these beautiful things to know that I was in parliament the day that gay marriage or same-sex marriage was actually approved. And there I was standing with my Jen and her beautiful bride and witnessing that on that day. It was almost like Mm -hmm. the energy of all of us was an appreciation and an honouring of all. Would you agree with that? Oh, Kim, I would absolutely. It was pretty magical, wasn't it? It, it was, was just extraordinary, and I would absolutely agree with you. There was something so powerful going on, and it was it was that deeply personal, connected with with the deeply political. And political is the wrong word, but it was a political thing. You know, it takes it takes political systems to change things sometimes, and with the groundswell of people behind it to push change through Parliament and things like that. And it was like in that moment as we all stood there and Jen has lived in that space, she's, you know, from the age of about 17 or 18 when she knew that she was a lesbian and, you know, she had that traumatic experience of being in the army and and the army excluding her because of her sexuality and other women and men. Um, you know, she's had a lifetime of that. She went through those hard, hard, brutal years of 
the 70s, 80s, 90s, where the queer community was just, you know, terrorised at times. Um, And so to bring all of that together in our marriage, in our wedding with you, and you had been in Parliament that day and Jen had been on the streets that day um, when the announcement was made, you know, it was extraordinary. And I think everybody felt that there. And it was such a mixture of, it was such a mixture of people. You know, there was a large heterosexual community there of Jen and my surfing friends. There was... There were a number of gay couples there. It was this beautiful example of what what we can all be together. Mm-hmm. It was. And I just want to thank you publicly for allowing me that incredible gift to be there with you both and to have the privilege of doing that legal side of it and making this just one of the most magical days I will never forget. And the way you both honoured me and my work and what I believe in and I just I just want to say thank you to you both you're incredible women and for the people listening to this if you did want to go back and listen to gorgeous Jen's story just remember she was on show 175 so jump back into that podcast because these two superstars are pretty extraordinary Uh, Kim it we could we couldn't we were so blessed to have you there um guiding all of us through that that ceremony we were so blessed and we will always be thankful to you for bringing all that love and all that wisdom and experience that you have that huge heart of yours that just exploded through the whole the whole day we were we're so grateful thank you my pleasure. Look, <laughs> as we come to a close of this beautiful conversation, I would love for you to sing from the rooftops what Alice McKinnon offers. Talk about your retreats, the Smart Sassy oh. Seniors <laughs> podcast, and tell us where people can follow you alongside a final message to this beautiful listener. Oh, thank you, Kim. Well, <laughs> I I I run community. I, my work revolves now. I, I'm integrating a big, long history of environmental activism now into mindfulness and um, contemplative practice. I guess and mindfulness as a martial art is my is my. Um, theme you know I believe that mindfulness is a verb it's a practice that we can show up to many times a day certainly every day that that gives us the strength and the fortitude and the steadiness and the calmness to show up to whatever life and purpose we're choosing for ourselves so everything I do now comes under that banner um I run retreats, I run community classes on the Northern Gold Coast, I run workshops, I do um, corporate speaking and organisational training. I run the Smart Sassy Seniors Project with my wonderful wife, Jen, which is a podcast and we do live events as well. And I write, I have three published books and another one on its way. People can find me at 
aliceionamckinnon.com, my website. They can also find me at, on Facebook, aliceionamckinnon, and on Instagram. And um, on LinkedIn as well. Um, yeah, I love what I do so much. I feel like, you know, here I am at 60. It's been kind of 40, 40 yeah, 40 years, 45 years of of um, committed engagement with the world and the natural environment with Mother Earth, Mother Nature and our social ecology, the ecology of our communities and our civilization. And I feel like it's all coming together for me these days under mindfulness as a martial art. I love it so much. Perhaps you could finish, my sweet, with your favourite quote that we could close today's amazing conversation with. Ah, thank you. You know, I've had I've had a Trent Dalton quote sitting here in front of me all morning and I'm not going to read that one out <laughs> because the one that came into my mind now right as you asked that question is Leonard Cohen's words from his song Anthem, Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. That's the most perfect way to finish today's show. I want to thank you, hand on heart, for being in my world, for being such an extraordinary soul, a beacon of light, as I said at the beginning, And I'm just so grateful to share you with this beautiful audience. Thank you, gorgeous Alice, for being on the Self Love Podcast. Oh, Kim, thank you so very much for inviting me on to the Self Love Podcast. It has been the most amazing time chatting to you. Thank you so much for letting me open up my heart and share what runs deep in my veins. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.